Hello and welcome back to another episode of Holistic Healers. For those who are new, welcome to the show. My name is Morgan Rutkowski. For returners, thank you again for being here, following along, subscribing. It's good to have you here again. This episode I am super excited for because this is something I've been struggling with since I was about 10 years old. So you can imagine how long it's been. It's honestly one of the big reasons why I started holistic healing and this holistic approach and got so invested in it. So I'm really excited to share this expert today and really learn from her myself. So I invited her on. She's a board-certified nurse practitioner. She specializes in root causes for treatment of clients who are dealing with complex acne cases. Uh, She's earned her undergraduate degree from John Hopkins University and her master's degree from Georgetown University. She currently works full-time teaching people how to clear their skin through a more comprehensive, holistic approach. So without further ado, I wanted to welcome Kristen Cunningham. Hi, Morgan. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yeah. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I'm on the East coast. So it's like the sun has gone down already. It's just crazy when it gets to be this time of year. It's just so dark, (laughs) but I know I was just, uh, yeah, it's where I'm in Washington right now. And I feel like it's already getting dark and what it's three o'clock right now. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah. Um, why don't you start off kind of telling us a little about yourself, what you do for a living, how you help people? Yeah. So I am a conventionally trained nurse practitioner, meaning I went to school and learned all about how to prescribe medicines and diagnose. And I worked in conventional medicine for about four years and process. I started, I mean, I, at first I was very happy and I was like, okay, I'm helping people and I'm prescribing all these medicines. And it felt very official. And I felt like very, um, supported in the sense that I knew that I was doing the right thing because everyone, you know, all these, uh, certifications and boards would tell me this is, you know, someone comes in with this symptom, this is the medication you subscribe prescribe. And I felt very like official and good about myself (laughs) until I started just like, first of all, it, it took myself, I started to develop some health problems. So, um, a few like nagging things came up with my gut health and then I developed a severe Raynaud's, which is like that really cold hands and feet. And then my acne started. And that was like, I just was looking like, Hey, so I, I was like, I'm a healthcare provider. I should be able to figure this out. I'm just going to like treat myself. And, um, <laughs> I was not anything that the guidelines, the dermatology guidelines would say for acne. It was like, Oh, you have to take spironolactone or antibiotics or, you know, birth control or, you know, all these harsh topicals that are basically stripping your skin. It just was so like not in line with what I felt like was wrong with me. I was like, this is why I wasn't like this before. And now I have this issue and there's something that shifted in my body. And this is not addressing any of those things that might be happening. So there's a shockingly little understanding about the root causes of acne in the conventional space. Um, people it's, they don't, they'll openly say on like research articles, we don't understand the root causes. And it's like a complex, you know, multifactorial condition. And it's true. Acne is, um, you know, it's, it's a generalized symptom, meaning it's sort of like fatigue where there can be so many different causes for fatigue. And the same with acne, there's a lot of different root causes, which makes it a little bit more complex to understand. But anyway, that whole, um, process of just being shocked at what wasn't 
known. And I think it took something in my own health to really drive me to ask those questions of like, why, and, um, what we could do to restore health and not just cover symptoms and understanding the root causes. And really, honestly, a lot of the research coming out about acne is from other countries because they're more interested and motivated to find holistic, you know, root cause solution solutions rather than just, um, propping up or promoting drugs for, as a symptom management. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting research coming out just in the last few years and that, yeah, that's kind of shaped how I approach acne. And now what I, my passion is like, once I've kind of figured it out with myself, I was like, I can't not share this information because it's, it's so hard to find. And it's also so many people suffer and it seems like it's becoming more and more common, um, in these modern times as we have, yeah, a lot of changes in our environment. So I guess that's kind of the, the short story of how I got to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I was saying in the intro, I, this this is a topic that really hits home with me and it sounds mm-hmm. like it obviously does with you too yeah. um but you're right because it's like there's so many different causes and mm-hmm. you can kind of be down this one track and then it still appears or it's still happening and you're like wait a minute i heard this and i thought i was doing the right thing but now mm-hmm. it's it's still here yeah it it can be tiresome <laughs> yes yeah so it can be tiresome to to suffer with acne um it can be challenging to be an acne provider too, because really the prize goes to the people who don't give up on themselves, who keep listening to their body, keep understanding, unpeeling the layers of the onion, because sometimes you can fix one problem and you're like, okay, my gut health is fixed, but now I still have acne. So what is it continuing to be a sign of? And ultimately acne is the end. (laughs) It's the end pathway of, um, something called the mTOR pathway. It's an inflammatory pathway in the body, which can be triggered by oxidative stress at the cellular level. So it's really, we're really looking for sources of oxidative stress and there's a bunch of different, uh, pathways for that, but yeah, you have to kind of keep digging and until you get to like, okay, your body's now at a place where it's at, at peace and not inflamed anymore. Yeah. And like you were saying too, like just being within the healthcare field and not feeling like you can solve the issue yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of in that same boat too. It's like, oh, I should be able to manage my stress, but here mm-hmm. we are still with acne. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. So what kind of things do you feel like are your biggest triggers or what do you find? What have you learned so far in your acne journey? Yeah. So the first thing, um, I guess I should kind of go back a little because yeah. when I first started, um, just kind of exploring, I was like around the age 10 oh, and wow. I was like, okay, at first it's, it's more like this puberty kind of like hormones are starting to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just having a poor diet growing up. I think those mm-hmm. were my, and I would say stress, I would say those three were the big mm. contributors. And then moving on, um, especially when I went into like college and stuff, I think drinking and also my diet and then stress um, mm. were those kind of uh, factors that contributed mm-hmm. to it. And then after, um, you know, I think we've I've done a lot of work with gut health and understanding it mm-hmm. through that kind of holistic approach. Um, but it's still that stress. It's still the stress mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> I yes. don't know if you can relate to that though. Absolutely. So I find stress is a huge pathway. So let's just unwind that a little bit. I think so for the teens out there, 
um, who are struggling. So first of all, we know teens are prone to acne anyway. You know, there's a part of it that's considered, you know, quote normal, but that's because when you go through puberty, you, your body naturally becomes insulin resistant. It's part of the growth process and stimulating the changes that occur during, um, during puberty to develop all your different sex organs and the rapid growth that's going on. But what happens is when you become naturally insulin resistant, and then you add on inflammation, either from our, our diets, like our standard American diets, which most teens eat terribly because Mm -hmm. it's just like the parents don't want to fight that battle or they're just not aware. Um, so there's inflammation coming from the diet, from all the toxins, as far as, you know, plastics and BPA that we've all like grown up with and, you know, from babies drinking, just like BPA in bottles. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's all adds up. It's all very cumulative. Um, so if you add that inflammation on from the diet, from the toxicity in the, you know, and then poor gut health, if kids have been on a lot of rounds of antibiotics, that creates this additional layer of inflammation and insulin resistance, which compounds it. So that's going to be, um, the difference between teens who kind of just have a little bit of acne and teens who really are really flaring up are those kinds of factors. Now, the other thing is you mentioned, you know, poor diet when you're a child and that even extends further back to your mom. I don't know what kind of diet she grew up with, but we're now getting to this point where this modernized diet is now several generations deep. Um, you know, maybe our grandparents, I don't know, you know, depending on who your grandparents were, maybe they ate a more like traditional healthy diet, but now it's several, several generations in that compound. So if your mother, um, was depleted or deficient in certain nutrients and minerals, then she's maybe also accumulating, um, toxins or heavy metals, even like from fillings that all gets passed down either depletions or heavy metals and toxins in utero. And then you add on like all the antibiotics and poor nutrient, nutrient, um, depleted diet. So, okay. You're setting yourself up for inflammation right away. Um, so that's just all that, how that compounds. And it, you know, it just makes us, makes me more motivated to keep telling people, even, even mothers or people trying to conceive, you really want to make sure that your body is healthy, even before you start like a new life and, and bringing in, um, but the other thing you talked about is stress. So I don't know, did you have a, like a stressful childhood? Was there a lot of like conflict in the home or? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it was just, you know, like living in a home where, it was just, it was more just, like, oriented around school and, like, succeeding and achievement. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, like, other family stuff, too. But that, I think, environment contributed and that go, go, go mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, like, never ending. So, mm-hmm. yes, stress, stress compiled from that environment. Yeah, yeah. So that's the other common thing that I see pretty consistently, I would say 90, 95% of my acne clients are like very type a, they're very driven. So either they have, either they have a lot of stress external to them. So maybe they're going through a divorce or they have a very stressful, you know, childhood or, um, you know, children that they're raising something outside, or there's a lot of stress internally that they're putting on themselves, a lot of pressure and perfectionism, high achieving. And that's, something that your body can kind of cope with for a while until it kind of just, and your coping mechanisms sort of end. And then you start becoming, it spills over. So when your brain is in a stress state, it's really directing the flow of energy all throughout your body, meaning 
it's going to decide whether to prioritize digestion, hormonal health, hormonal balance, reproduction, or it's going to prioritize survival mechanisms and, um, that fight or flight state. If that's, if that's what it's deeming is the most important thing. So I see stress being a huge component and you're right. It's, it's a lot. I mean, I know in your field, you probably study this a lot, but, um, some of the work that needs to be done is just really rewiring some of the nervous system states and the limbic system, things that are really triggered to be in a fight or flight state all the time. We need to calm those down, maybe relearn, um, some nervous system pathways so that your body can actually be in a state to want to, to want to heal. So why do you think just being within more of that, uh, the medical model Mm -hmm. that a lot of people have attributed to just prescribing medications or like topical medications to acne? Why is that the case if it's not to deal with this nervous system? Um, well, I think first of all, it's a lot easier to, I mean, dermatology appointments, um, traditionally are the shortest, like they literally are like three minutes long. (laughs) And part of it is the nature of dermatology where you can just look at something and then you make a decision like a split. So you don't have to like do a lot of digging or they're not trained to, um, and they have a lot of pressure to see a lot of patients. So it's much easier to prescribe, um, Accutane, antibiotics, all those different things rather than truly understand. And then, and really our system is so much based on, on drugs. Like that's, that's what medicine is, is like, okay, we match drugs to symptoms that, um, there's just no one really doing the work to understand. I mean, it's the, the, the research is there. I wouldn't promote anything that I didn't feel very strongly is backed by or backed by, you know, at least science traditions, as far as, um, maybe Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine, but, um, yeah, I think it's just mainly that it's just so much easier and more efficient and it makes more money for the whole system. If you can prescribe something that is going to at least temporarily remove the symptoms. And, it, and I'm not saying that they, the creams and antibiotics, it will usually improve the skin temporarily, but then like it always comes back and then you mess up more gut health or you create other problems, or it's just, I think of acne as that, like that check engine light on your dashboard. It's telling you something isn't wrong internally. And so even if you cover up the check engine light with a piece of duct tape, like it's still, there's still things going on underneath. And so sometimes I see people who've done Accutane and their acne is gone, but then they develop rosacea and some, you know, something else that inflammation is manifesting in another way. What is that? I don't think I know what that is. With rosacea. Yeah. Um, it's just when you're, when people have really red skin, you might've seen people really red cheeks or red nose, um, or they get little pustules. It's, it's similar to acne, but it's more this flushing and really red and, and people, um, it's really bothersome for people because their face always looks really red and inflamed. And some people will get this like, um, bulbous sort of nose. That's like, you might see older people with rosacea with that. So, um, yeah, it comes out in different ways when you just try to cover up like one thing. So, yeah, when I was, I think it was in college, um, that's when my acne started to flare back up. And I think it had to do with, uh, just like relationships that I was Mm -hmm. in and then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just stress in general, as we can see, this is the theme of my acne. Like I think, um, but I, I went to go see a dermatologist and she prescribed me like four different medications and they Mm -hmm. were like three were topical. I think it was like clindamycin, Tazerac and something else, Dapsone. Mm -hmm. And then 
an antibiotic too. I think it was like doxycycline, but it was just like, yes, it all helped at once, but almost immediately, like I could see my emotional state get completely worse. And I think that was because of the antibiotics kind of impacting my microbiome and stuff like that. But yeah, it it cleared up the symptoms, like you said, but it, it really didn't get to the root of the problem was dealing with stress. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, in your work, but like, we don't have a pill for stress. I really have to do the work. You have to really dig in and understand. And I'm hopeful that as this comes to the forefront, there'll be more and more tools that people can work through and just like easily understand it. I think still, it's still kind of regulated or sent Mm -hmm. to the, um, you know, alternative sort of path, you know, models, but, um, yeah, I have my, I really encourage my patients to start doing that work. And and a lot of them do come when they have a lot of trauma and that they're, that they're not, they don't realize it's related to their skin, but it like, I, to me, it's like clearly, okay. So you've grown up or you've had this certain trauma and it's really your mental health on a daily day, day-to-day basis. And now you want to try to heal your skin, but it's sort of like, yeah. it's sort of like trying to lose weight and be like, I only want to lose weight from my belly. Like you can't spot <laughs> like your acne is that last domino. There's all these other dominoes that are falling over before it shows up on your skin. And so to truly fix the root of the problem, you really have to do that deep work and then your skin will respond to that. How is that conversation with clients like to tell them, Hey, now you have to go work on your mental health (laughs) when they came for acne. What is that like? Yeah. I mean, I try for most of my one-on-one patients. Um, I do discovery calls usually. So I make sure that they're understanding of like my approach. And so, um, but some of them just don't really realize that they are carrying trauma or stress. They, maybe they are type a personality and they're just like, to them, that's normal, but I'm seeing how it's impacting everything else. And they're like, Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, some people are kind of, they have a, I'm too busy. I'm like, I don't want to do this work right now. Other people are very open and they're like, okay, you're like the fifth person who's told me this and I really need to take it seriously. So, um, it just depends on the person. I mean, I, I, um, you know, I think they're with acne. It's like, yeah, you can go get antibiotics and it'll clear up your skin for a couple months and then it'll come right back. Or you can really take the time and do the work now and then really set your, and and the, the beautiful thing is that even though I'm focused on acne, like people always tell me that their energy is better. Their sleep is better. Their mood is better. Like all these other things are improving and we're just, you know, the skin does improve, but like their whole health is better. And so it's just not just like a a superficial fix, which is great. Wanted to shift a little to treatment. Um, Cause I know we talk like we were just talking a little about, you know, focusing on stress, Mm -hmm. Um, but you have this holistic approach. So what does Mm -hmm. that look like when you talk to clients about their acne um, through this lens? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have series of steps. So step one is always just looking at your stress. And so um, just starting that process. And I think for everybody, it's like, it's definitely a lifelong process to understand and feel like as soon as you get a handle on it, something in your life changes, you change jobs, you change seasons in life. But any case, it's all of us are on that journey. So stress is number one. Number two is diet. So I always feel like diet is not, it's not the full answer, but it's one of those pieces. It's like, if you can't really heal when you're just like eating a lot of crap. And so, um, if we can get the stress piece and the diet piece, those are like the two foundational pieces that I feel 
um, everyone should be working on. And generally I recommend like a paleo style diet where we're really lower glycemic. The biggest thing, um, is, is really balancing your blood sugar and really being in tune with how your blood sugar is responding to the foods that you're choosing. And so I have a number of things that I'm working through, um, as far as keeping the blood sugar really balanced. And then from there, we're going on to looking at, um, gut health, looking at, you know, different protocols to help the bacteria in the gut help improve digestion. Sometimes it means supporting like, um, stomach acid or digestive enzymes. And then we're looking at toxins and helping the body detox. Um, and then from there, yeah, like making sure that you're eliminating that your bowel movements are moving properly, that you're supporting good sleep and immune health. So it's, it's very, it's a broad spectrum, um, of things, but yeah, I think it's all those dominoes that have to be put back in place before the skin is actually going to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about like gut health, um, is there, I know you said the, you said the paleo diet, mm-hmm. um, I've heard stuff about like go keto or like take out gluten or, you know, yeah. remove dairy. Uh, can you talk to any of those? Yeah. So I recommend for most people to do at least 30 days, four to six weeks of like gluten-free, dairy-free, just to give your body a complete break. And the reason that I say that is because, um, I really, I strongly believe that a healthy body should be able to handle most foods. There are some people who really can't tolerate gluten ever. And, um, you, they might not know that a lot of people don't know that they never taken that like extended break. They might've avoided gluten for like a week and they're like, Oh, I didn't notice the difference, but you really need that full four to six weeks of no gluten to, to really see how your body responds. So first of all, I want people to know that about themselves. What is your gluten tolerance? Like, um, dairy is one of the biggest things that tends to trigger acne because of the growth hormones that are present in dairy. And it's, it's present in all dairy. It's naturally occurring because, um, the mother cow needs to, the, the, her milk is stimulating growth in, in a baby cow. So it also stimulates this growth hormone is <laughs> present, um, and will stimulate our oil glands and our skin cells to proliferate. So, um, that is one thing that I encourage people to avoid. Now, the interesting thing is that these growth hormones are active in, in like fresh milk or even like it's, it's in either pasteurized or, but when you ferment it, so, um, when you're eating yogurt or kefir or really long aged cheeses, that growth hormone is broken down. So I encourage people after they get a little break from dairy, you can try those fermented dairies and see how your body responds first. Um, so that's what I really encourage is that, that four to six weeks of avoiding it. And then you can kind of play around with how much gluten can you tolerate? Usually fermented types of gluten, like a sourdough or sprouted green bread are better for most people than just like a, a plain, yeah. Unfermented bread. You know, I'm not a huge fan of just strict keto or vegan. I kind of just go like, think about what our ancestors would have probably eaten and in the proportions, like something like nuts. Yeah. Our ancestors would have eaten nuts, but they probably wouldn't have eaten like almond bread and almond crackers and almond butter and like, like all day long. And that's one thing that I, you know, don't encourage you to go excess of like certain like modern health foods that maybe aren't physiologically like appropriate for our body. So 
Yeah. Those are a couple of my thoughts on diet. <laughs> That's a really good take. I, I've always heard like the more natural, the better. So I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of is representative of what you were talking about. Like, um, you know, if you're eating a bunch of crackers, especially if they're not something, obviously you'd find in nature. Um, yeah. maybe it's not the best. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate, I have a, a appreciation for ancestors because I really feel like in the right environment, our bodies are meant to thrive. So I like to really take time to contemplate what, what is different about our environment. And it's really surprising, uh, some of the things that come up. I mean, like for example, um, not too long ago, you know, a couple, like a hundred years ago, maybe 150 years ago, every single day for your entire life, you would have been having to haul water back and forth from whatever well and haul firewood. I mean, that was, that was your weightlifting every single day from when you're a child to when you're an old person, you're, you're hauling water and firewood every single day. And that's something that's completely gone from our modern lifestyle. So built into their lives is this, you know, resistance training, this, a little bit mild aerobic activity that was just part of their life. And, um, so yeah, while it's annoying to make time to work out or whatever, um, that was completely physiologically appropriate and normal to all of the rest of history. So, um, that's something small, but obviously there's, you could go on and on about all the differences and our food supply. And then even being on screens, like we are right now, like, I mean, screens are, a whole nother issue or the EMF. I mean, you could go on and on, but it's, um, just important to, to recognize that. So then maybe some of the the modern kind of health problems that we're having aren't so surprising when we really appreciate how different it is, but yeah. And you get that holistic approach. Like you were talking about, you know, you get, it's not just what you're eating, but it's also what kind of activities you're doing. What are you around? Even the people, you know, setting boundaries, all the mental health stuff. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's so true. And like, I mean, even the social media thing that we're this whole experiment that we're part of, (laughs) I mean, texting people like, it's just, that's a whole, um, stimulation on your nervous system. That is very, very and it can be overwhelming. I mean, it can be a lot to, to be able to like see all the news and the whole world at your fingertips and be impacted by things around the world, even though your and our ancestors would have been in a very, very, their world would have been very, very small. And of course there are advantages and disadvantages to all this information that we have. There's lots of good things, but we do have to maybe be more proactive about just protecting our nervous system and creating boundaries for ourselves because it can be quite overwhelming and just create more stress than, than we realize. Yeah. Another thing that I have heard of in terms of treating acne is Mm -hmm. supplements in like vitamin supplements Mm -hmm. or any deficiencies that we're experiencing, take a pill for it. Do you condone that at all? Do you think it's helpful? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I don't, when the way that I practice, I don't do like, Oh, here's a zinc pill. Here's a magnesium, like magnesium. Okay. I I do like magnesium, but, um, like even vitamin D I really want people like everyone's deficient in vitamin D. Even I'm deficient in vitamin D and like, I got my lab work back the other day and I was like, I'm really low. And I've been really trying to be on the sun like all summer. And, um, I've always been low, like for as long as I can remember. And, I, even when I supplement, I'm still low. So I'm really asking questions about like, why, why am I low? And, you know, that brings up some interesting answers when you really go through that, like things like, um, 
mold and mycotoxins can block your vitamin D receptors or prevent you from absorbing vitamin D. So that's something I'm looking into for myself. I mean, it's just important to be asking the why questions and not just be like, let's supplement vitamin D, although it might be helpful temporarily. We want to know why your body's not absorbing that vitamin D and vitamin D is a hormone. So you have to just be aware that if you're taking a lot of vitamin D, that's like basically supplementing a hormone. And then also vitamin a, which is also really important for your skin health. It's retinol, your eye health, everything. If you over supplement vitamin D, you can block the absorption of vitamin a. And so you always want to be careful in the body. There's just so many checks and balances. And so if you over supplement, say zinc, you can become deficient in copper and you don't want these delicate balances to be artificially skewed. So I, in general, I like to eat, focus on a really nourishing diet, focusing on gut health. So you're absorbing what you're eating. That's another big problem. People are not having good digestion. They might not be absorbing their food. And so working on those, the diet, the absorption, um, correcting imbalances in the gut and then, and also toxicity. So really everything comes down to toxicity and that can be, that can be mold. That can be environmental toxins, stress toxins, all of those things. So really eliminating the, the toxins versus fixating on just like, let's load up on all these vitamins, synthetic vitamins. Yeah. So when you, when you talk about mold, is that like within the place that you're living or inside you? Yeah. So it can be both. Um, so you can have mold exposure, like in your home Mm -hmm. or you can, if you were exposed long enough, some people become colonized with mold. So, um, they start to be the medium that the mold is growing on. So sometimes it's in the sinuses, sometimes in the gut or different places, um, in the body. So you want to, you can, I'm finding that's becoming a lot more common, um, to have mold or sensitivities to mold. And for a couple interesting reasons, um, the first is that we are living in these very tight homes. Our homes are very like sealed and there's not a lot of airflow. Um, we're not spending as much time outdoors with a fresh air supply. Um, second of all is EMF. So EMF actually makes mold more aggressive and more active. So if you are learning a lot of EMF and then you have mold either in your body or in your environment, it can make it more active as well. And then thirdly, just our overall toxicity burden or capacity to detoxify is, is really being pushed to its limits because of all the other chemicals that we're having to process. And so, um, I'm finding that mold is just a bigger, it's, it's becoming a bigger thing. So for some people that is the root cause, but it's not for everybody. I mean, not everybody has it, but for some people, that's something to look into. And EMF or yeah, it was EMF. That's like the, Mm -hmm. is that like the frequency that we get from our technology? Is that what that is? Yeah. So, um, electromagnetic field. So it's anything that's, so your phones putting off EMF, your computers, putting out a certain amount, your Wi-Fi. Um, if you live in an apartment or something, then you're also absorbing everybody else's Wi-Fi in the whole building, which is crazy. And then, um, yeah, I mean, anything that's yeah putting out a charge, probably the biggest things that we're around day to day are like, uh, phones and computers, or you might want to pay attention if you're living near a big power line or a power plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and turning off your Wi-Fi at night, if you can, that's like, that's one way to reduce exposure, but 
yeah, some people become very sensitive to EMF, um, and they have to really be careful around it so that they can heal before, you know, as they heal, they can get more resilience, but yeah. Yeah. Whole other thing that I, I think holistics can touch on. <laughs> oh my so gosh. Factors. <laughs> yes. It, it can be a lot, but I think it's like complex, but it's sometimes it's very simple when you really think about what were our bodies meant to thrive in what, you know, what inputs and, and environment were we originally like made to thrive. Cause in some ways we have a lot more than our ancestors did in the sense that we have a, a steady food supply. Like we have access to all these superfoods that our ancestors probably wouldn't have had at least not all year round. Um, we obviously have a lot of more hygienic, more <laughs> cleanliness and hygiene and stuff. So there are advantages you just have to look at and make sure you're kind of compensating for some of the downsides of the modern. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to touch on, and maybe you can speak to this, if not, no worries. But um, during my acne journey, I was told that birth control would fix mm -hmm. acne. And yeah. it started with, I had an implant first, just when I first got mm -hmm. um, birth control. But then they also added, I, I feel so weird saying that, but I also got added birth control pill on top of the implant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this was like within going through puberty and so if you can imagine the hormonal changes wow. that came with those um so that was like my first exposure to like what is what's happening in my body because I just felt like so numb and almost mm -hmm. I was just like I was just not in touch with myself yeah. so long story short um what have you experienced in terms of birth control, maybe not helping acne or helping acne? Because I've, I've never known because I just don't think it's, it, at least it wasn't helpful for me, but I don't know what you've yeah. seen. Wow. I've never heard of that being on the implant and the pill. So, wow, that's a first. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and during puberty, that's a lot. So, you know, so the birth control or any, like basically it's taking over your hormones. So it's tricking your body into a more of a pregnancy state. It's not, you're not ovulating. You're not having these cycles. So women should be having these monthly cycles of hormones. And then, you know, men have more of a daily cycle of their testosterone. And so women's hormonal communication is much more complex, a lot of moving pieces. And so when you have birth control, just kind of shutting that off. So for a lot of people, it does, it really lowers progesterone estrogen levels. And then that will help take care of some of their acne symptoms. Um, again, it doesn't help for everybody. Some people are breaking through that and their, their hormones and there's so much inflammation is still being, um, signaled that way. But basically when you, you absolutely take away hormones, then you might not have those hormonal stimulations of like the oil glands and the, um, more, a little bit more inflammation that's coming from those cycles. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes that can work again, if your goal is just to take away the symptom that can work for some people, but the problem is I, I see a lot of people who are like maybe 30 and on birth control since they were 14 and they're like, okay, I want to either start having a baby or I just don't want to be on birth control anymore. And then what do you do then? And suddenly their body is in this crazy where they've never had a natural cycle or very almost never. Um, and we have to really prepare the body to come off and really re-regulate that brain ovary connection. And 
that can be a little bumpy for some people because it's the body is very, very confused. It makes all these, um, these pathways upregulate certain things in the liver to handle these synthetic hormones. So now we have to, we're changing that all around. So basically you're, you're, some people call it chemical castration. So you're really like completely eliminating that, um, natural hormone production and, and taking over synthetically. So I really encourage people to really think about, think about the risk and benefits of birth control and consider maybe more natural means if they can, obviously it's not for everybody, but if you can and can do a more natural form, I think that's really better for your body overall. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad that this holistic approach is becoming more except, mm-hmm. uh, accessible, but also acceptable from, um, just a lot of different standpoints. But I think, you know, just with younger people starting to accept it more often and mm-hmm. those people about to have kids, um, mm-hmm. I think like we were talking about earlier, like the generational stems and like mm-hmm. being down that path and being able to teach your kids like, Hey, you know, this is the risk and benefits of birth control, but also just, you know, how are you eating and how is this mm-hmm. going to impact acne later? So I love this is more acceptable now. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was kind of fringe like a few years ago, I don't know, like 10 years ago, it was very fringe. And now it's like kind of becoming much more popular, which is amazing. And then I'm so glad that you, people like you are putting out stuff to help people accept it more. Yeah, well, you too. I mean, I I liked your I like your approach, and I like how many people you've already been helping. So I love it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, was there anything in terms of your story that you think you can teach some of the listeners here today, or maybe some like takeaways to give to listeners? Um, any key points? Yeah. Um. So as far as my health journey, I think it's important to not give up on yourself and to keep listening to your body because I think it's very tempting. I think people are used to saying, Oh, I have acne. I just need to get something quick to clear it up. And, you know, maybe some people it's very mild, whatever they can clear it up more quickly other ways. But, um, most of it, if you have persistent acne, it's really your body speaking to you and you have to keep pulling back those layers of the onion and keep asking questions like, why, why is this happening? And honestly, a lot of that has to do with the other symptoms you're experiencing. So I always have my patients do a really long questionnaire looking at things like my gut health, um, a lot of questions about mood and anxiety, um, things related to like, um, drainage and detox, or they having a lot of symptoms of detox, sleep issues, there's a whole long, long questionnaire that I ask people, but if you can understand the other symptoms that are going into your health picture, that gives us clues of what might be your root causes. And so again, acne is just one of those symptoms. So, um, it might be that you need to fix your gut health. And sometimes I see they fix their gut health, but they're still having acne. So you have to keep listening, like, okay, what else is going on? Um, in your body that we need to keep addressing. So don't give up. Don't be like, Oh, I did the holistic way and that didn't work. It just means that your body is still telling, telling you more things. And almost always there's something else coming up in your symptoms that are meaning things are out of alignment as well. So I also had a follow-up question, um, just with my own personal story too, and what I've seen, um, 
is there any interventions um, that you use for different periods or different phases of a woman's cycle that you have found to be helpful in treating acne? Yeah. So I see most commonly people will break out more towards ovulation or their period. Um, and that's usually because of the, the rising estrogen and the, you know, the balance between the hormones. So I find that a couple things can be helpful. First of all, you can do take DIM, D-I-M, um, which is helps your body detox estrogens a little bit more efficiently. I, I don't like people to take it like all the time, but they can do it like that week before your period. And that can be helpful kind of as a bridge when you're in the, in the middle of healing um, to kind of lessen those period symptoms. And you can do, you know, like 200 milligrams for that week before. And that should help your body process estrogens a little bit more efficiently. Um, certainly you can do something like seed cycling, which is popular among some people just to kind of help regulate those hormones. You really want to make sure that you are ovulating. If you're not ovulating with every cycle, um, you might want to look into some herbs like X to help with ovulation. Um, and stress is honestly a really big component of, healthy periods and ovulation and cycles. So, um, really listening to how your body's feeling. I'm a big fan of like not pushing yourself really hard to work out. If you don't feel well, if you don't like, why push your body to do some really hard workout when you're not, you're not having enough energy for that. You're just going to be pushing yourself, um, like straining your body, even more, adding more stress to the system. The other thing that I'm really big on, this is less related to the cycle, but you know, I really find that to support healthy hormones and the stress levels, you really want to make sure you're getting a nice hearty, more savory breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that like, if, again, if we think about our ancestors, um, they were living in a time where like, sometimes they'd have food and sometimes they wouldn't. And your body is really asking yourself that question. Your physiology is asking you that question. Are we going to have food today? Or are we not going to have food today? Is this a day we're going to starve? Is this a day we're going to be like well-fed? And, you know, for most of us who are more in a stress state, we're more like needing to heal. You want to be answering that question with, yes, you're well-fed. You're well, you're in a safe place as far as like, you're not worrying about starving today. Um, and so we can really support healthy hormones by getting a nice hearty breakfast, a, with like nice, I usually encourage people to eat meat at breakfast, something with a lot of protein, healthy fats, fiber, so that you're answering for your body, that question of like, okay, we're well-fed. We can focus our energy on healing and we can be relaxed because we're not having to worry about where our food's coming from. If we, um, kind of skip breakfast or at a very light breakfast, a lot of people will feel they might feel a little bit more focused or energized, but really that body is up. Your body's upregulating cortisol to motivate you to go find food. They want you to, <laughs> to give oh. you that energy to go like search for food, get food. Cause that's why your body, your, your body needs food every day. So, so I encourage people if they're going to do more of an intermittent fasting to kind of skip like dinner instead of breakfast, because dinner tends to be, um, I mean, research is coming out now that it's like better for your metabolism to have a lighter dinner and have more of a hearty breakfast. Cause then you want to be energized throughout the day anyway. So oh. That's something that's just sort of, again, culturally, a lot of people will do like, oh, I'm just going to have coffee for breakfast or maybe I not hungry. Never, <laughs> I, I could never do that. <laughs> yeah. And so 
or people train themselves not to be hungry for breakfast, but really I find that for most people now, I'm always open to, you know, special cases or people who don't do well that way. But for most of us who are more stressed state or needing to heal, that's a better way to go about, go about it in the morning to set up that healthy hormone cycles throughout the day. Yeah. What kinds of breakfast? Uh, I know you said like some proteins right in the morning. Is there something mm-hmm. that you have found to be useful? Yeah. So a couple different approaches. I mean, um, I really encourage most people to try at least some savory breakfasts. So like, it could be like a paleo sausage, maybe some eggs. If you do well with eggs, sauteed veggies are amazing. That That's my favorite breakfast. If I do like paleo sausage with veggies, um, and some like grass fed butter or olive oil. Um, other days, usually more in the summer, I like to do like a superfood smoothie. So something, um, with like wild blueberries, maybe a bone broth, protein powder, um, veggies, not lots of seeds, like pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds to kind of give a more like just a different kind of breakfast. But a lot of times, if you just think about what you might eat for dinner, you just kind of swap that out for breakfast instead, or you eat leftovers for breakfast, which is easy for people who are really busy. Um, the body tends to, I get very good feedback from my clients about how they feel just making that change alone. And culturally it's a little bit different because you know, we're used to eating like that steak for dinner, but like it, it takes like eight hours to digest, you know, a steak. So if you eat it actually for breakfast, it's much more balanced with where your physiology is going, or if you need for lunch, I kind of say like the, the beginning half of the day. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like, and I, I have a, if anyone's listening on my, um, Instagram and my link in bio, there's a free recipe book that has a lot of good ideas for like paleo style breakfast, low blood sugar, low or blood sugar balancing breakfast. So if you want to download that, that's on um, my Instagram and my link in bio. Yeah. And do you want to just go ahead and share a little about where people can find you? I'm going to list everything at the end of this episode, but yeah. Where can people find you start working with you? Yeah. Yeah. So I currently have uh, one-on-one options. So for people who want to interested in more of a personalized approach that's available, I will be launching, um, more of a group program in January, 2020. If you're listening to this, that will be available in January. And that's going to be more, um, a little bit more of a group program, a course part of it. And also, um, you can have be part of a membership where you're having access to me as far as like live Q and A's and more of that, um, community component. So that's going to be really exciting, um, to start that. And I think it's really helpful when people, when you're surrounded by people who are on the same journey, because, uh, it can feel really lonely and you can feel like you're the only one of your friends who's like breaking out and like, why am I so healthy? My friend needs crap and their face is clear. You know, it can feel very lonely, but it's great to connect with other people. Um, so I think the best place to just learn more and stay up with what's latest is just on my Instagram. It's I'm the acne NP on Instagram and you can follow, I'm usually updating that pretty often. So you can check that out and then there'll be links in my bio with all the latest resources. Yay. Yeah. I follow your page all the time. I'm like taking notes. <laughs> I love oh, it thank so you. much. Yeah, no, it's so helpful. I've shared a lot of the stuff that you've posted with some of my friends kind of in the similar boat and we all just love your page. It's so, it's so helpful. So thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you today for joining and being yeah. on the episode. It was so glad to have you and have you, yeah. you know, share all your wisdom. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
Yeah. Um, and then thank you again for all the listeners, you know, tuning in, listening. It's always great to have everyone following along. Um, there is a Q&A that's listed within each of the episodes. So if you have any questions, I can shoot them over to her and, and we can answer anything that you guys had while you're listening. Um, but yeah, if you're interested and wanting to follow along more and subscribe, this podcast is on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Podcasts. Um, I have an Instagram at holistic underscore healing LC. I have a Gmail. I do uh, sessions myself. Um, and then I will also share all of Kristen's information too. So thank you again for being here. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you.